Jenna Gold and all the Gold family are a lot taller than Gio Garces. It's in the genes. Hey, guys, how you doing this morning? Hey, Terry. Good to see you, buddy. Mr. Carmona, Lewis, and all the dignitaries. It's good to see you this morning. Hey, y'all, we're excited. Summer's over. Um, and fall begins. And uh, it's a whole new realm of the concept of suffering. School, our kids may suffer. They may suffer from their classmates. Their new classmates may not get along. Maybe a challenging situation. We're suffering with the schedule. You know, picking them up. I'm working. How am I get the kids in it? All that. It's a, it's, a, it's a season of suffering. And it's important that we understand that suffering is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. I, the, the concept that we get stuck in our minds is that when we pay attention too much to the... Uh, the TV Christianity, where it says, if you, if you do this, you'll always be blessed. Okay? That's prosperity. And the reality of life is that God never promises prosperity if you're a Christian. Yeah. He promises you heaven and blessings that are, that are going to come later in life. But normally in the life of a Christian, um, the blessings aren't economic at times. But they're more spiritual and relational. That's the, that's the spiritual blessings of having real friendships. And so today we're going to talk about suffering because we're going to enter a season of suffering. If you're a single parent, you can relate to this because you're the only one parent that you're helping get the kids. You're preparing their lunches. You're, it's, it's a big deal, a new season. You know, our kids started school this week and, you know, normally get a chance to meet their teachers, but we didn't have that chance. So we could have took an opportunity as, wow, the school system is falling apart. The world's going to end. Or, hey, it's an opportunity for our kids to adjust to a situation that they're not used to. Suffering. It's okay that kids have to adjust. When I grew up, I didn't know who my teacher was. My parents didn't care who my teacher was. They didn't care less who it was. You know, this is all new. When you know, I think back when I was a kid, there was none of this... Let's meet the teacher first and make sure that we feel great about them. No, it was like, that's your teacher. Good, bad, or ugly, that's your teacher. So suffering. You know, I think our culture wants to, wants to say, if it's suffering, then something's got to be wrong. And that's not necessarily true. Suffering is actually beneficial. Let's take a look at the first thing. You know, they come for many reasons. Suffering may come. As a result of personal sin and failure. If you have not budgeted your money financially, you've overspent, you've not, you've not been wise with what you've been given, you could say, I'm suffering financially. I'm suffering because of this or because of that or the economy. You know, sometimes it's our own personal sin, our own shortcomings. Wasteful spending. You know, or sometimes we can lose a friend because we've been saying hurtful things to them. We can hurt them. And suffer. So suffering may come for, for that reason. It may come because of other people's sin. Who knows what that, who knows what that ship is? That's the Titanic. That happened because, uh, you know, they told the captain, hey, there's some icebergs up the front. You may want to take, take it slow. Nope, nothing can sink the ship. Full steam ahead. And it ripped open a big opening in the bottom and it uh, sunk and killed many people. You know, suffering arose from other people's sin. Um, and uh, 
Since the Titanic sank, they changed a lot of rules of, the, of uh, sea navigation because of that suffering. Things, things got better because of that. Drunk driver who accidentally causes an accident creates suffering. It, it may arise from other people's sin. Things that are kind of out of your control. You know, two days ago, a 20-year-old girl from Simi Valley was driving off Tierra Hotter Road at 3 a.m. in the morning and hit a tree and died. You know, I don't know the situations behind it, but that's what the report said. It was very sad. A 20-year-old in Camarillo was hit by the train in the train station and died. We don't know the causes, but people suffer sometimes for other people's sin and failures. Sometimes it arises from the forces outside of our control. You know, that's a hurricane. That's a guy taking a picture of a hurricane. The guy is actually close to the, hur- I mean, to the tornado. He wants to get closer. You know, sometimes tornadoes take lives. Did you know that if it wasn't for hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes, that our, our world would be unlivable? We cannot live on earth. Earth could not sustain human life. So it's not that the hurricanes and God sending down the hurricanes is evil. It's our, it's our system of how he set it up from the very beginning. Now, God didn't tell, he, he, did, he doesn't tell you to live in Southern, if you choose to live in Southern California, you're going to put yourself in Earthquakeville. Okay? If you want to live in the Midwest, you're putting yourself in Tornadoville. If you want to live in Louisiana where the, the ground and the, they have to hold the water by a dam, you, you know, things may happen. Hurricanes will come, but sometimes they're outside of our control, and many people suffer. But it's interesting that our earth has to, the crust has to move. If it doesn't move, it gets brittle. And if it's brittle, then you have catastrophic explosions because it'll crack and destroy many parts of the earth to make it unlivable. Sometimes suffering comes from a result of personal, a person's faith. You go to a third world country and start studying the Bible with people, you might find yourself in prison. Standing up for Jesus in some parts of the world is an invitation for persecution. Suffering. Being in jail for many years. We've had disciples in jail for years. Suffering. The Bible explains why it's a part of life. It's part of our life. And the more you get accustomed with suffering, the better you'll understand your Christian life and what you were called. There is going to be a lot of suffering for us on earth. But the goal is not to live our lives on earth. The goal is to get to heaven where there's no suffering, where there's no tears, where there's no temptation of sin. But for now, there's going to be some suffering, especially if you want to live counterculture. There's less suffering if you go with the culture. There'll be some, but less. When you go counterculture, it's different. You know, many people scream and say, why is God doing this to me? Why did God lock my keys in the car? Why did God break my timing belt and I'm stuck on the freeway? Why did God do this to me? Why is God treating me this way? And we have a distorted perception about what suffering really is. Some people don't like suffering. They want to live as as a comfortable life as possible as a Christian. And they're living in fantasy land. 
because suffering will come. And if you don't understand it, you can get very distorted in your thinking and grow bitter toward God and ruin the hopes of your salvation. Now, sometimes you deserve it. Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 15, if you suffer, it should not be, take note, brothers, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any kind of criminal or, or even as a meddler. You know, there's some kind of suffering, but, you know, the Bible says it shouldn't be self-inflicted. Don't hurt yourself and suffer like a killer, a thief, a criminal. Shouldn't be that way. Deserve suffering. Undeserved suffering is a part of following Jesus. In 1 Peter, if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. You know, there's an example. Jesus died. He was innocent. He did nothing but love people, heal people, teach people, and they killed him. They murdered him. That's suffering. Should Jesus suffered? Well, if he didn't, you wouldn't be saved. If he didn't, you couldn't have a relationship with God. So why is it okay for Jesus to suffer and not us to suffer? That's why Peter says, hey, it's a good thing. The Lord suffered, and he is innocent. We can trace back our suffering to some kind of silly decision we made. I shouldn't have bought a house outside of my means. Okay, Jesus didn't ever own the house. He didn't do anything wrong. Right. And, they, and, they, and they assassinated him. So if we're going to follow Jesus, understand suffering is going to be part of our life. But it's commendable when you're doing the right thing and you still suffer. But I did the right thing, God. I did the right thing. And you suffer. It's commendable. Because your reward is not on earth. Your reward is in heaven. See, if you think your reward's on earth, then you're right. You shouldn't suffer. But if your reward is in heaven, hey, that's part of the process. And it's common to man. Suffering is normal. Following Jesus. You know, I did a lot of suffering as a kid, but not for doing good. You know, when I decided to get a tennis racket and get little tiny rock pebbles and, and launch them on the main street and see if I can see if one will hit a car and the driver will not notice. <laughs> and then finally I hit one. Ah, oh, I hit one. We high five my buddy. Then the lady pulled her car on top of the sidewalk, stopped, panicked, and get out of her car, dazed and confused. And then I realized this was not good. And I remember my dad telling me this. A few months prior, he must have read a book or talked to somebody on a show or something. My dad must have done something. But he never said this. But a few months before that, he says, Gio, if you tell me the truth, I will not spank you. (laughs) So given that belief that I believe my father, that if I told the truth and what I did, it'll just mean I'll get grounded in my room for a few months. That's not a big deal. So I told my dad, I said, Dad, I, it's a lady who was approaching my house. Dad, lady's coming over to her house right now. See, she's coming over because this is what I did. Better to get on the front of it than the back of it. So I got open with my dad. And my dad says, okay, thanks for telling me. And, he, and then the lady comes and tells, you know, the traumatic experience of a rock hitting her windshield and cracking it and almost crashing her car. So my dad uh, 
calls me into the, into, the, into the foyer as the lady leaves and they exchange information of insurance and everything else. And my dad begins to take off the belt. And once a Latin man un, just, just unbuckles the first one, there is no going back. There's no, I changed my mind. As, as I can sometimes do with my kids, like, maybe I'm being a little overreactive. Okay, I'm sorry, son. And once a Latin man undoes the first clack, there is no turning back. And as he's doing it, I'm like, Dad, 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 wait. You said, if I told you the truth, I would not get a spanking. My dad didn't respond to that, truth, uh, that st- statement of truth. He just unbuckled it. And then he gives you the Eskimo grab. Like, he grabs your forearm, your arm, so firmly. And, I'm, and I was 10 years old, so he wrapped it around. So Because if you try to run, you ain't going anywhere. So we did the, we did the circle. And it was rough. And it was rough. And I thought, I did the right thing. I got open. I told him the truth. And I still suffered. But with that suffering came a conviction. Don't throw rocks at cars. <laughs> you thought that I would learn my lesson, right? Later on that year, I came home from a baseball game with my cleats. Ran up and down the neighbor's cars. Just like I saw in the movie. Just like in the movie. I did it and we're playing, you know, ah, you didn't get me. I'm denting in hoods and denting in uh, the top of the roofs of the car. You think suffering would change me? It took a little more suffering. This happened two blocks down the street at my buddy's house at their family reunion party. Now, when, I, when my dad had to come over, they called my dad over. And I, my friend and I were there. We, 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 were, we were definitely scared because this, this, this is not looking good. My friend got spanked with telephone cord wire. So I was like, thank God. Dad, give me the belt. Give me the belt. And you can hear it go, whoo. You hear that thing whip? You, you just knew that was pain. And my dad at that moment turned around and he did the old classic. And but there was people. I'm like, there's people around. Dad elevated the suffering. In public, undid his belt, took it out, and he says, walk two feet in front of me and don't you move any farther. So I'm walking two feet in front of my dad. (laughs) Two and a half blocks home in public. At that moment, I never did anything like that again. From that on, suffering sometimes has a purpose to build conviction. If you're a parent, let me give you a parenting insight. Your child does not get conviction like an adult. Like, you're hearing this lesson right now, and some of you are going, man, I'm convicted. I'm, I'm, I'm self-centered. You're, you're cut, and you decide you're changing. I'm changing. Because you're mature, and you're an adult. Kids don't have our mentality or our maturity go, Dad, you're right. I'm going to be respectful. I'm convicted, Dad. My, my five-year-old son is, can't tell me, Dad, I'm convicted. Kids learn conviction this way. They don't get conviction by, I intellectually understand you as a five-year-old that I'm cut to the heart. No, they don't. And, and my son cries preemptively, and 
he tries to avoid the, the consequences that are to come. But if he does not get the consequences, he'll never have conviction. And parents, this is where you get, we get lulled into, I can't do it, I can't do it. The pain, he gets it, Gio, he gets it, he's broken, he's broken. No, 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 no. They don't get broken like we get broken. It's a different brokenness. Their brokenness comes through here. People don't understand that. They think that your kid cries, he gets it. No, he don't get anything. He just, he got, the only thing he got was, I got out of it. Yeah, yeah. Okay? When my, dad, when my dad would raise the belt to me, I would almost like faint and cheer. <sighs> because I wanted my dad to think that this was so, so painful for me that he, he lessened up. My dad caught on after a while. I did this half-hearted faint. <laughs> Didn't work. It worked a couple times. Suffering is a part of your life, and it's common. You know, my suffering sometimes through my dad's lack of parental guidance, I suffered unnecessarily, but it gave me the conviction to change it as with my children. My dad wasn't there for me and did certain things and prepared me for certain situations where I felt embarrassed or unprepared. Now I remember that going, man, that feeling of, man, that was not, that was not a good feeling as a, as a youngster. So I'm very more intuitive with my children going, I want to set them up for success. Because I suffered as a youth, I remembered the suffering and I'm able to change it. So that's why God says it's commendable for you to suffer, even though you're doing good. Now, suffering in 2 Corinthians 12 says it encourages you to grow. But he said to me, this is God and uh, Paul having a conversation with the Lord about his, his suffering, that he, could, he had this, 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 this messenger of you know, agony and, uh, on him, and he was telling God, hey, get rid of this for me. And God says, no, my grace is sufficient for you, for my powers is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delighted in weaknesses, in insults, in hardship, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We need suffering to grow in our character, in our lives, in our livelihoods. Because the Bible does say, when you have suffering, and you learn from your suffering, you have character and perseverance, which equals hope for you. Our goal is to make it on earth to heaven. And Satan is not going to make it easy for you as a Christian. He's going to make it very hard for you to make it all the way. So the spiritual principle here is that it encourages growth. Paul says, hey, take this away. He goes, no. No. My grace is sufficient. I'm with you in suffering. He delights in his weaknesses for Christ's sake. For testing and demonstration of God's glory, suffering is important. John 9 is an account of a man being born blind, and his disciples were asking Jesus, Hey, teacher, whose sin caused this man born to be blind? His own sin or his parents' sin? Jesus answered, it is not that this man's sin or his parents' sin that made him to be born blind. This man was born blind so that God's power could be shown in him. You know, I'm always inspired by those who are disabled yet are not embittered by their situation. Sometimes they're born with disabilities. They're born with challenges. But if you look at their heart, their heart is good. It's for, it's for God's power to be shown in his life. 
God's power to be shown. Being Sometimes people are born blind. People are born this way. Sometimes they, they, they get older and they, and they become blind. For God's power of compassion and mercy to be shown. You know, when you see someone disabled, what does it do? It usually moves your heart to be compassionate. Yeah. It changes your heart when you see someone. You know, your heart would have never felt that way if you would have not seen someone else through some suffering. It does something to the human heart. It demonstrates God's glory. In 2 Corinthians, suffering is to help others. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the, God, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort and who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves received from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. You know, when we go through a tough situation, we can encourage others in their, in their situation. That's what this teaches, that God that comforts you, if you're the one that understands that, hey, I understand, I, I, I see myself, I saw what happened, I love the Lord, and someone else goes through the same situation, it's, it's encouraging to hear that someone else went through it and they're doing okay. Yeah. And they're doing just fine. You know, as a Christian, I was immoral. I broke the covenant between me and God. And I lived to tell about it. But to comfort others, don't give up. Don't give up. Fight the fight. You can overcome this. You can beat the battle of purity. You can overcome it. But no, I, I can't. I can't do it. Yes, you can. Because I, I went through the same thing, the same feelings that I can't do it. Yes, you can. You can be pure. Can we suffer catastrophic over a catastrophic sin, can we, can we overcome? And, and, and it, the hard part is that suffering process that if you begin to believe that your suffering is meant to discourage you and make you fall away, you're wrong. Yeah. I had a background where the more you suffered, the more God was like, yeah, yeah. Now do some more good things. and yeah. And I had a wrong view of God and suffering. I thought I didn't deserve grace. You mean God's willing to forgive this? Just, just like that? Yeah, he is. But he also calls you to obey and to change your heart. Suffering to help others. So you've got to ask yourself a couple questions. How do you see God using suffering in the lives that you work with? Because it's always around us. It's suffering all around us. How do you see God using suffering in your own life? What is God doing? What are you learning about God and about yourself in suffering? Suffering is very purposeful. You know, if you don't have the ability to feel things, how much danger would you be in? Lots of danger. If I couldn't feel, you know, myself fall off the stage, it'd probably break my ankles. But if I didn't feel my ankles turning, I'd be like lopping around and going, and you're going, Gio, Gio, what's wrong with your legs? Nothing's wrong with my legs. I'd be flopping around with broken ankles on the ground crawling. What's, what's the matter with me? I don't, I don't know why I'm crawling. I can't seem to walk. And someone comes by, well, you, both your ankles are broken. If I, if, I, if I didn't feel the pain, if I don't feel the pain of fire in a stove, our kids would always burn their hands off. That's why leprosy is such a debilitating disease, because it, you lose your senses, your nervous system is shut down. 
People lose their eyeballs, their ears, their hands because they can't feel anything. So it's good to feel things. It's important. Suffering is common to all people and is not, I repeat, is not removed by the presence of the Holy Spirit. So if you're here and you, and you, and you think that you can avoid suffering by becoming a Christian, you're wrong. In fact, you'll probably have more of it. Amen. God does not make suffering understandable, but he promises to be with us during the suffering. A good book of Bible study is the book of Job. He never understood what was going on. He never did. His three friends came over and said, now we understand what happened because we read the Bible, you know, thousands of years later. We know what was happening. Job had no clue. And his three friends come over and goes, hey, you obviously have sinned, and that's why God is punishing you. Get open about it. All three buddies. And he didn't do anything wrong. It wasn't understandable. Even his wife says, curse God and die. Should we accept the good, not the bad from God? What was his response? God is not going to make suffering always understandable. But he will be there with you through it. So is there a purpose? The Bible says yes. 2 Timothy reads this. My life is being given as an offering to God, and the time has come for me to leave this life. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now a crown is being held for me, a crown for being right with God. The Lord, the judge who judges rightly, will give the crown to me on that day, not only to me, but to all those who have waited with his love for him to come again. You know, Paul was shipwrecked, abandoned at sea, abandoned by the brothers that claimed to love the Lord. In his first defense, when he was being persecuted, no one came to support him. Suffered. But look what he says. I have kept the faith. A crown is being held for me. A crown for being right with God. That is the goal of our lives. Is to end your life right with God. To end it on the last day of your breath right with God. Whether your life is cut short or you live a long life. I don't know who's going to pass away first in this room. But I want to see everyone pass away being right with God. Purposeful. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. This is Paul writing. We glory in our sufferings. What are you, crazy? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. You know, my left knee now is beginning to go bad. And you might say, well, Gio, it's surely not. You're, you're a tremendous athlete. You're a college star. Shouldn't happen. Shouldn't happen. Hold records. Shouldn't, this shouldn't happen to me. Yes, it happens. It happened because of this. And I, I, I thought, why, is my, why are my knees going bad? Because I, I ate an unlimited supply of carne asada, beans, rice, cake, Thai food, late at night snacking for 10 years. 10 years of doing nothing athletically. No running, no desire to run. And then my right knee started having problems at a softball game. I'm like, I, I, I sprinted in a... My knee went out. What's going on here? And I, I, I had no idea what the problem was. It must be when I was a youngster, I thought to myself. Had surgery. 
arthroscopic. I had some slight tears in my meniscus. I had, over, had some cartilage in there. And I thought I was, okay, I'm feeling better. Rehabbed it, got better. And then now my left knee is going. And I, I began to realize that my 10 years of gluttony and me trying to be the sportsy guy out there, I put tremendous strain on my ligaments. I should have just sat on the couch. But no, I had to go show that I'm still the athlete. But I was not overblown, suffering. And I felt it. I'm feeling it now. Yesterday, I could barely stand yesterday because my, my meniscus was just hurting so badly. And even though I'm losing weight, the damage has been done. Suffering. Purposeful. That's okay. You know, Karen, Karen got to serve me yesterday a little more than usual, so I'm like, it's purposeful. <laughs> Karen gets to serve a little bit more. It's awesome. She got called higher. Despite its painfulness, suffering can be very, very valuable. Here's your heart. Here's your heart on fire. Because suffering clarifies what the heart truly worships. Especially when the pain is unexplained. Does your heart get bitter when you don't understand what's happening? Are you the first one to accuse God? Why? So many people do. The first person they want to blame is the Lord. You know, a, man, a, man, a man's folly makes him stumble, yet his heart rages against the Lord. You know, pain and suffering clarifies what your heart truly worships, especially when the pain is unexplained. Do you worship the idea of just being delivered, deliverance, or do you worship the deliverer? See, people always want to get out of the jam. Just make this go away. Just make this go away. I don't want to suffer. Or do you worship the deliverer? Yeah, my body and this body we have, I'm only going to have it temporarily. Because when we resurrect, and the day we resurrect our bodies, we're going to have bodies the way, the same body as Jesus had when he resurrected. Now, just think about that for a second. A whole new body, a physical body. Jesus had a physical body because he showed Thomas, look at my marks. And Jesus would, the room was locked, and whoop, he'd show up, poof. He'd open tombs up, getting out of here. I want that body so badly. <laughs> but I will never get that body if I'm not faithful to the end in worshiping. I'll have that same body, but I won't be in heaven. See, everyone, everyone resurrects with the same body, but the, the, the destination's different. There's the dark place, and then there's heaven. The heart gets exposed during suffering. Suffering motivates the heart to action. Now, when a child cries, what do we do? Normally. Oh, I'm so going to pick him up and cover. We don't, hey, suck it up, box of straws. No, we don't do that. We want to have tenderness. When, when a wound's from a victim, we offer solace. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Human suffering arouses sometimes anger and invigorates the action. We want to, that's wrong. We've got to change that. You know, there's new laws that come up when, child, when children get abducted. And what parents do usually is they go to Congress and they have the laws changed because, because the suffering aroused anger. Why did this happen? Why wasn't information out sooner? And so they arouse action. Remember those lawn darts as a kid used to play with little lawn darts? We throw them all around. Well, a kid got hit through the head one time with one of those. Went through his eyeball and killed him. 
That's why you don't see the metal lawn darts anymore because people were throwing them so far and kids were playing on the other side of the house and one guy threw them and it went through a kid's eye and killed them. So no more metal lawn darts because the, the anger of that shouldn't have happened. Now we have those little, you know, those little plastic ones that can't do that anymore. It'll give them a bump on the head, but it won't kill them. Suffering arouses anger and invigorates action. Even though I spelled invigorates wrong. Sorry about that. Suffering humanizes the heart and increases a hunger for God. You know, when you're suffering, you do two things. You say, God, help me, or God, why have you done this to me? I hope it's, I hope it's God, help me. Help me through my suffering. Here, here's a good example of Job. At this Job, this is when, when his children are dead, or some of his children are dead, all, all the things he's built up, his barns and everything else, were destroyed. Job got up. He tore his robe and shaved his head. And then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. How would you feel if your ch- child died? How would you feel if your house was taken from you? Would you tear your robe, shake your head and say, Hey, naked I came and naked I'll leave. May the Lord's name be praised. I struggle with that personally because my emotions will, will betray me. Emotions can betray you so much. No explanation is given to Job. He, there, there is no sense to make of his loss. But God expresses this. His sovereignty, and he acts on his own without any human advice. And he expects us to trust him and trust his goodness regardless of what happens. So it brings up this question, do you really believe this? This is the essence of the, of the concept of suffering. Do you believe God is love? Because God is not evil. People say, well, if there's evil in the world, then therefore God can know. God never created evil. He never did. Evil was created by having our own free will. Then evil all came. So do you believe that God is love? In your suffering, is God love? See, that is the essence of suffering. If you believe God is vengeful, then you're going to have a hard time understanding suffering. Love. When my son and daughter, when I discipline them, it's in love, is it not? It's in love. This morning, mommy laid down with, 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 with the other, and the other started crying, Mommy didn't lay down with me. Suffering. But I, I tried to walk him back through it. Did mommy invite you to lay down with her? Yes, did you? No. I didn't know they were going to play. Help them through it. Suffering. I want my, my kids to believe that I love them no matter what. So when the discipline comes, they know this is not personal. But when you're not walking with God, we tend to make it personal, don't we? We take it personally. We don't take it that he's love. He has our best interest in mind. He'll protect you, guard you, walk with you. That's what it means. God is love. But if you don't walk with the Lord and suffering comes your way, we're so quick to throw the stone. We're so quick to get angry. 
Here's some steps I want you to write down. Things you can do in the process of, as you process suffering. One is trust that God is love. He has your best interest in mind. He's not out to get you. He hasn't put, he hasn't locked your keys in your car just to give, just to have a chuckle. He doesn't break your time belt because he, he's like, ah, that's hilarious. Michael, Michael, get over here and check out what I did. Look at this goof I did. Seek his lessons. What are the lessons learned? When someone tells you that your timing belt is cracked, it's, it's, it's a lesson learned that do it right away. Get it changed. When someone says, hey, you should always, you know, never just throw your keys in your car, just, just never just lop them in there, but always have them in your pocket no matter where you are. Lesson learned. There's always a lesson learned. Lesson of comfort, humility. Seek his lesson. What is God what is the lesson in the suffering? Thirdly, seek his actions. Hey, is there something that I can do to relieve suffering? Is there something I can do that, that can help out in the situation? Appreciate the sisters rallying around Kathy for a baby shower. I heard it was an awesome, uh, you know, first time baby moms. It's, you know, those baby showers are really special and important. I appreciate the sisters rallying and, and being a great support to Kathy. It was awesome. Um, is encouraging. And take small steps forward. Just take a small step by having a quiet time on the concept of suffering and struggles. God's not, he's not looking for a leapfrog. He's looking for you to understand, hey, God is with you. God is not against you. Suffering is, is a part of life. It's common to man. God also says in the scriptures, he will not give you more than what you can bear. He will not give you more than what you can bear. Okay, that's, that's love. So if you're in a situation of struggling, understand that God thinks you can handle it. God always gives you a way out of your situation. Okay? God, in Romans, Romans 8, God works for the good of his purpose of those who love him. So God works for the good. He doesn't give you too much where you can bear, and he's with you in the process. That's suffering. That's the, what the Bible says about it. Don't get embittered by it but embrace it as part of our life because there will be no suffering in heaven. To God be the glory.